you're listening to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. This is episode 14 and I'm blown away that next week's episode is the last one of the year. The first season of Knowing Motherhood has honestly been such an honor to produce and I cannot tell you just how grateful I am for the opportunity to serve you through this podcast. I'm so excited uh, to start back up again on January 11th. Again, there's still one more episode coming up next week, but I'm really looking forward to time with family and a much needed break, which isn't entirely a break because we'll be working on getting the website up and running. And I'll tell you more about that next week. All right, early last year, as I was struggling with the severe anxiety disorder that hit me five months after our youngest child was born, I was desperately trying to understand what I was dealing with while feeling so confused about why I couldn't find resources for Christian moms walking through what I was experiencing. I felt shame and I felt guilt and I needed some words of encouragement or someone who understood uh, what I was walking through. Um, So I found myself online typing in keywords like the Bible and postpartum, Uh, anxiety and intrusive thoughts and all these things that I was dealing with. I landed on the blog of a mother and author who I quickly learned had walked through a very similar situation to mine. As I read her words and listened to her share courageously and with strength and knowledge of God's word, I felt for the first time a little more hopeful. I went back to her blog many times over the following months, and I also ordered her book, Fearless in 21 Days, which helped me to focus during some of the most difficult months. My guest today is Sarah E. Ball, a mom of five kids and a mental illness survivor who is allowing God to use her painful experience to help so many others find freedom from anxiety. Sarah is an award-winning author and speaker, and she has an award-winning blog as well, sarahebal.com, and she also offers online courses and, of course, her book, Fearless in 21 Days, A Survivor's Guide to Overcoming Anxiety. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation with Sarah today and bring to light so many facets of mental illness that need to be talked about. I pray you are very impacted by her story. I know you will be. Here's our conversation. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to have you today. I really, really know that this conversation that's part of our maternal mental health series is really just going to be, I think, essential in helping so many women to maybe understand a little more about what they're dealing with or to to just have more insight into help into helping other women in their lives. Yeah, and you've got a story that I know is going to just really speak to the hearts of a lot of people. 
yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful that you're here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really um, happy to be here and really glad that you're talking about this. I think it's really important. So I appreciate you inviting me into this discussion. I think it's really important. Before we talk uh, further, I just wanted to share how I was hugely impacted last year while I was battling a severe perinatal mood disorder. Um, I came across your blog and your words of encouragement and even uh, just the, sh- the strength in which you shared really impacted me and I really believe God used it to keep me on track and to keep me hopeful and encouraged um, that I would reach a place of recovery. Um, so I'm excited for our listeners to hear more about your story. Do you want to just jump right into that? Sure, I can. Um, well, I'll start by sharing. I'm a mom of five kids, and um, my oldest is almost 21, and my youngest is nine. So there literally was a season in my life where I had teenagers and toddlers at the same time. But it was after the the birth of my fifth child um, that I began to experience anxiety and depression. I wasn't somebody who ever felt like I experienced it before. I was a bit of a kind of suck it up, like just stop feeling sorry for yourself, move on. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you so worried about? Like, you know, I I just really, it really was not something that was an issue for me or sorry. So I thought, um, Mm -hmm. and then after my fifth, I went through a season of, I would say, um, just a lot of traumatic and stressful events at the same time, not to mention dealing with postpartum from having a baby, not to mention the busyness of now trying to, you know, wrangle five kids and, and keep my house under control. But I was in a season where I was extremely busy. Um, I had a lot of people depending on me and I had a lot of stressful things happen and almost overnight I had woken up in the morning feeling a lot of stress on me over the weeks kind of feeling this panicky of like what's happening why are so many things going wrong and I got up to exercise in the morning and I was on the treadmill and my heart started racing so bad more than it would running on a treadmill mm-hmm. and I could not catch my breath and I got off the treadmill for a moment thinking that I would feel okay once I rested and it didn't and anyway long story short it escalated into a full-blown panic attack but I thought I was dying I literally mm. thought I was dying and so I called 911 and they came and I'm trembling I can barely breathe I, my chest feels like there's an elephant on it like all the typical symptoms of a heart attack and basically they told me there's nothing wrong with you we think it's stress and anxiety and I thought you're crazy and so they mm. told me just go get some rest you'll feel better in the morning and I didn't and I ended up having panic attacks several times a day um, really spiraled me into a panic disorder so to speak and once I was able to get that under control after a few months of suffering like every hour upon every hour throughout the night first thing in the morning I was dealing with generalized anxiety so anxious all the time physically depleted Um, and then I say the Bible says anxiety in the heart of a man leads to depression And eventually that led to some pretty severe depression that really scared me and uh, thoughts of of suicidal thoughts. And and then that escalated into OCD, where I was having a lot of harm thoughts and a lot of intrusive thoughts that were not welcomed into my mind. And I thought I was going crazy. I thought that this was the end and that um, 
this was my future and that I was going to be like this forever. And so this mm-hmm. lasted for, oh, I would say over a year. And uh, I remember in that time, God speaking to me that he was going going to use this, which really is a bit ridiculous when you're in the middle of something you feel is completely hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, I When I didn't even think that I was going to survive the next right. day. Um, but slowly but surely, um, I was able to come out of it. And now, uh, that was six years ago, um, I am now running a ministry helping people overcome panic and anxiety through all the things that the Lord showed me and all of the practical things that I learned as well. So mm. that's kind of my journey summed up <laughs> yes. to where I am now. Yeah. yeah. And in your book, Fearless in 21 Days, you really lay out a lot more detail. Um, so I'm going to make sure that that resource is available, um, the link for that to our listeners, because it is a really great book in terms of just giving a much broader picture of what you walked through. Um, mm-hmm. It was really intense. Um And as I've shared with you a little bit previous to recording, you know, I've walked through a lot of that as well. And it's, Mm -hmm. it is hard to really explain. And I feel like you did a really great job of that in your book. Um, You were very honest and very raw. And uh, yeah, so being a mother and walking through mental illness, my goodness, trying to keep up with all of those demands. um, This is this isn't motherhood in general is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to just walk us through a little bit? What, what some of those hard, more difficult days were like for you? How old was your little one at the time? Well, my little one was just a baby. So he probably would have been, Oh, I can't even th- think of uh, March. So he would have been just a couple months old really. And, or, yeah, a couple months. No, no, no. Sorry, he was a uh, probably just about a year old. I would say probably about mm-hmm. around in that that stage. Sorry, I'm really bad. Like, don't ask me what grades my kids are in or what years they were born. <laughs> <laughs> it changes every year when you have five kids. I'm like, ah. Uh. Yeah, anyway, they I are mine. It. I promise. Um, <laughs> but the scary thing for me was that I was so severely ill that I could not care for my children. So I had to have friends and family um, come and help. Um, My husband did most of the parenting in the evenings when he was home. Um, A lot of times I couldn't sit down and spend family time together. It was just too overwhelming. It was just too stressful. Um, I had a hard time sitting down eating meals. I spent a lot of time in bed um, just trying to make it through, especially on, on bad assault days in my mind. So I had Mm -hmm. some better days and some good days, but I couldn't even leave my house. So it, I could not resume parenting as normal. It was, it was as if the one way that helped me to get through it without feeling so guilty, it was as if, you know, I had a very serious illness that kept me bedridden, right? And there was only so much I could do within, within that, the strength that I had. And so even though this was mental illness, it was affecting me physically. And, uh, and so there was a lot of, um, a lot of guilt and a, a lot of like, God, like what's going on? Like how, how are my kids going to get through this when, Mm -hmm. when they don't have me? So there was a lot of like, just come lay in bed with mom and watch TV. Like that was a lot of our, the time that I could spend with my kids. Cause that's all I could do. That's all I could, all I could handle. Um, and, and so really, um, my life was put on pause. My, my parenting was put on pause and it was 
all hands on deck to support my family at that time. So extremely difficult. As I began to recover, um, and so I was having good days and bad days, um, you know, uh, there was a, it took, I could see that it took a long time for my family to recover as well, especially my husband and, and, uh, you know, tiptoeing around me, being nervous to, you know, put too much on me and that kind of thing. And so eventually right. I had to start speaking up and saying, I'm good. <laughs> like I yeah. got this, I need to be able to do this. Right. Oh, and yeah. so that took some time and that was hard to watch my family go through that. But I, I feel like the stuff that I'm able to pass on and teach them now as they go through their own journeys, um, mm-hmm. is invaluable. So yeah, yes, it wasn't absolutely. easy. No, mm-hmm. no. Did you have a, um, you mentioned this briefly, but did you have a history of any other struggles with anxiety or depression? You said that you, you weren't aware of, but looking back now, do you see that there were some struggles with that at all? Um, I can see when I was a young child that I had a lot of like, um, anxiety as a kid. Um, a lot of moments where I felt like I was dying and every rash was cancer and every, you know, shortness right. of breath was, you know, whatever. Like I, I definitely looked back and went, Oh my goodness, I was having panic attacks and major health anxiety when I was a kid. Uh, mm. I remember once my mom taking me to the doctor cause I was complaining of chest pains and shortness of breath and, and realizing that looking back that, wow, that was, that was panic. That was anxiety all along. Um, and then I believe as a teenager and a young adult, I really just, um, drowned it out with, you know, being a wild child, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it wasn't something. And then I was a single mother for a long time and I was in a really hard place where I had to raise these two kids on my own. So I didn't have time to feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it, I think it was, it wasn't until I was married and, and settled and building this family and, 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 and seeing my life sort of flourish that I was stable right. enough to fall apart and deal with all the stuff from before, if that makes sense. Right. No, it does. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, what were you taught as a child about mental health? Do you remember anything, actually learning anything within the context of church? Um, actually, I should ask you, I, I don't think you mentioned, yeah. did you gr- grow up in church? Um, no, I did not. No, and I... Um, I mean, I believed in God. I, that was always something that was spoken about in my home, but oh, I did not okay. grow up a Christian or, or going to church at all. So that's irrelevant to me. However, I, I was thinking about this question. I have zero recollection, whether in school or through, um, you know, teen groups or camps or, or friends or anything and in my own home um, mm-hmm. talking about mental health. So, so the only thing I could think of was like, when I was younger, it was like a teenager who struggled with depression was one of those weird, weird antisocial people who just wrote really dark poetry. Like it, it mm. would, you know, and so we would go through sad moments, but depression, anxiety was never anything ever spoken of as something that was an illness or, or something that people mm-hmm. went through. I really don't remember having any recollection of that. And I was raised to suck it up. I was raised to, to be strong. I was raised to, you know, don't spend too much time in your feelings. You just need to get over it and move on. And so yeah. there wasn't a lot of grace for me to feel. And I'm actually very deep, emotional, like I feel things deeply. And so there was no grace for that in my home growing up. Um, and so it served me well when I went through some really hard times. 
where it wasn't the right time for me to fall apart because there was a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And I believe that that was good. Like my mom used to say to me, you know, you come from a long line of pioneering women, (laughs) you know, (laughs) strong women, like you can get through this, like that kind of thing, which really helped me. Sometimes we need that. Um, Mm. But sometimes we also need to acknowledge the weaknesses that we're feeling and the grief that's in our heart or it catches up with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, why do you think that, you know, it's taken so long for the mental health, um, education, um, to be made available like it is now? Why do you think it's taken so long for, for us in general, as a society in general to have an understanding? Of course, we know that there are a lot of people who still are very ignorant to how real mental illness is, but Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like, because I, I relate as a child too, I don't remember being educated on mental health or having an understanding of, you know, it was almost like anybody who's mentally, mentally ill was deemed, you know, crazy or all these really awful words that are used. And yeah. we associated it with like mental asylums. You know what I mean? There was almost mm-hmm. like this extreme, there wasn't this normalization of it being an actual illness. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on why that has taken such a long time to to become more public knowledge and not so taboo, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's uh, a big question. I, I think that... Um, culturally it wasn't acceptable because you think of like we're the first which is funny because we're the first one generation to really begin speaking out about this in 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 a more open way but we're also the first generation i'm not saying that we haven't gone through our stuff but we're the first generation as a culture who hasn't been going through traumatic traumatic situations as a society so if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about like world war one and world war two and how many how many men and women were affected during that time and and there was no grace for falling apart or admitting you were you're referring to yeah when yeah yeah, when everybody is going through it everybody is affected by it and so there really was I think a cultural thing of like okay well like and it's it's amazing to me now I've ministered to 16 year olds I ministered to 90 year olds who want freedom and Mm. and and it's amazing to me how people I've met who I've assumed were strong and had all together and, and they're seniors and they're in the later part of their life going, oh yeah, when I was in my mid-30s, I went through that. Mm. Oh yeah, when I was 40, oh yeah, I suffered from postpartum depression. But I mean, that was just, they just went through it and it just wasn't a discussion. There wasn't room and there wasn't grace for that. And, and I think now we're willing to speak about it because we realize that there are actually some tools and some things that we can do and we don't have to live like that. So if you're talking mm-hmm. about PTSD for generations, yeah. like grandparents and whatever, I mean, they, they dealt with it through other means. And a lot of that right. was, you know, not the healthiest means, if that makes sense. Right. So, I mean, I, yeah. it's, it's a big question to a complicated issue and everybody's story is different, but I think a lot of it is because culture just, it just wasn't, they just weren't ready to deal Mm. with a lot of trauma. And, and getting into the science side of things or the medical side Mm -hmm. of things, they, they now understand, uh, you know, there's this new, not so new, but pretty new uh, concept of, of what neuroplasticity is, right? The Mm -hmm. brain's ability to, heal to be renewed just like the bible speaks about 
And I think um, that that's a really big part of it probably too, right? You know, is that we have that scientific mm-hmm. information available that they, they did not have back then. Yeah. Um, so we have a better understanding of how the brain works, how the fear part of the brain works and mm-hmm. what's possible um, with really hard cognitive work. And I've, I've had to learn yeah. that over the last couple of years. It is hard it's work. It's very hard. Yep. Yes, yes. And I think that that's probably why people really, um, you know, often we see people continually struggling Mm -hmm. with depression for like long stretches of time Mm -hmm. um, and falling into this mindset of that I'm kind of stuck with this for life because Mm -hmm. if they they may not have been given the information that they need to heal and to get better. Right. And Maybe they've tried to do some of the work, but because of environmental factors, relational factors, they've not been able to Mm -hmm. do the work well. Therefore, Mm -hmm. they relapse, right? So this is a, yeah, this is such a big topic and I'm so glad we're talking about it today because especially as Christians, there are so many, uh, I still think, stigmas within the church that are making it so difficult for believers to find the healing and the help that they need. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, it's on my heart too. I, I mean, um, it's always some, I mean, my own experience, I was at the time of, of my breakdown, I was actually in a very small church. So it was a very small family church, small plant. So there was just a few families there and um, they were very supportive. They did a lot of things right for me at that time. Um, so I, but I hear a lot, I've seen a lot, and I've heard a lot of really, really unhealthy um, attempts to minister to people who are struggling with anxiety and depression. And we have a long way to go. I think we're just starting to talk about it, um, mm-hmm. especially with all the recent uh, losses that we've had with leaderships, um, yes. young men and women yes. in, in leadership in the churches um, kind of succumbing to, to mental illness. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think, first of all, there's a lack of understanding um, I think there's a lack of uh, understanding the difference between spiritual and uh, mental and physical. I think that's a big one that that needs to start being discussed. Um, yes. I think one yes. is there is a major pressure, and I think it's getting there, um, but there's been a pressure to have it all together, especially from church leadership. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. we learn from people's stories and experiences. This is why Jesus spoke in parables. Um, very difficult for a leader or a pastor to get up and, and share their struggles with depression and anxiety. They might speak in code. They might speak whatever. But it, there really is a lot of pressure to have it all together, that you're the person that has to have all the answers. And when you've been struggling in depression and you can't seem to break free of it, um, you know, that's a very hard thing to share from the pulpit. So I just don't think it's something that's shared openly very often. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's a fear of opening a can of worms that they're not mm-hmm. sure how to shut. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think that um, it's a fear that if if we open this up and 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 we sort of whatever, it's going to give way to people just having this excuse to be sick and ill and mentally ill and all that kind of stuff. And so -hmm. it's easier to just push the whole suck it up, you know, keep going, just pray through it, that kind of thing. Um, And so um, and then there's this bad theology that mental illness means um, lack of faith. 
Yeah. And it's yes. it's such a devastating theology because I tell it you really the majority of people who I minister to have incredible faith in Jesus. Yeah. They really, really do. Their leaders, their their mentors, their Sunday school leaders, their mothers, their teachers, their mm-hmm. you know, that these are people of influence. They're not people who just sit there, you know, living in a dark room feeling sorry for themselves the whole time. Like these are people who are seeking with all their heart to please the Lord. Right. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 And so I think, I think we have a ways yeah. to go. Absolutely. I was thinking, um, as you were speaking there about how, um, we feel often like we were talking about having it all together. I think that as Christians, we feel like we have to also have all the answers Mm -hmm. and because mental illness is very difficult to explain. And because there is still this lack of knowledge out there for so many people, Mm -hmm. you know, if a pastor, stands up to speak I think that's that actually just makes me feel even more so um, passionate about how we need to have our pastors educated mm-hmm. on the medical side of mental illness so that they can stand up and teach their congregations like this this is a real thing just like your limbs and your organs can fail your mind your brain or your brain sorry can also. Yeah malfunction and not work properly and there's a different type of work that has to be done that's unseen and um and we just really can't be afraid of this like we have been in the past and now having walked through it you've walked through it we know that healing is possible recovery um and the ability to go on living life and thriving Mm -hmm. is possible and we have Mm -hmm. to be able to give that hope to other people um, yeah. and we know that there are a lot of things that still, um, happen in daily conversation that really, I think, prevent this conversation from happening in a good and healthy way. Like people using the words, um, you know, oh, my anxiety is so bad right now because of this happening. Oh, my anxiety, you know, they'll use these words flippantly yeah. or, you yeah. know, the phrase, I'm so OCD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. That is a tough one um, uh, for me as well, having walked that as well. It is so hard yeah. to hear that now. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on how do we help somebody if we hear someone say something like that? Is there a way to address that, or what? How? What kind of awareness can we raise? I, I know. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough, and and I remember, you know, some saying, "Oh, I'm just so OCD. I have to make sure all all the labels in my pantry are face forward," and, and I'm just like, <laughs> "Oh my goodness." Yeah, <laughs> that so that's, is a whole that's other being a perfectionist. Of, that's a perfectionist and I mean yes. there definitely is part of it if it causes you strain that you're you're laying in bed and you cannot function unless right. you know that that right. one thing or because and it's just lack of understanding um people just yeah. don't understand and and it was amazing for me when I was sort of like figuring out what the heck is wrong with me when I started experiencing OCD i had never heard of harm OCD never in my oh, life I'd heard of OCD of like oh I like things in order I like mm-hmm. things clean but never ever had I heard of that term before ever or religious right. OCD not something Ugh. I'd ever come across so it wasn't until I was going through it thinking I was going crazy that I realized that this was actually a thing and it mm-hmm. was amazing to me when I began to speak about it which isn't easy to do at the beginning when it's like mm-hmm. oh my gosh I'm really revealing 
the crazy that's going on in my head. It was just this fear that I was alone in it and I, everyone was going to go, all right, she's officially crazy. That these people were coming out of the woodwork saying, oh my goodness, like, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I have. And so what I thought when I opened my doors to my ministry would be, you know, people struggling with just some anxiety and panic attacks. I didn't realize how many were struggling with severe OCD, harm OCD, religious OCD, and, and there's many more to, that go with it. And, um, and so I think it's just, um, you know, the more you and I speak about these things and, and have the, the right terminology connected to it, saying, you know, this is a very serious condition, I think people will begin to understand that they can't just use use these terms lightly and and I tell mm-hmm. you you know for those who struggle with just light anxiety and worry um, I re- I'll tell you the story that the two are very different between somebody where you feel anxious over a situation you feel nervous you're worried about something okay this worried is about just something bad emotion yeah. right or going through a season yeah. of worrying about something because you're you're, right. you're worried about your kid or you're, you're worried about mm-hmm. your health like, because you have a serious diagnosis like that I mean of course you would feel that way that is not mm-hmm. necessarily mental illness that's a that's a, a reasonable response to a stressful situation Absolutely, um yeah. but I I remember once uh, I used to always I still do always you always get those butterflies in your stomach when you go to the doctor it doesn't even matter if you're just going for whatever right and um mm. And I remember once going to the doctors and I, I was feeling nervous and I had butterflies in my stomach about it. And I remember feeling so ecstatic because I was feeling regular old anxiety and nerves, not yes. crippling, debilitating anxiety. And I was so excited because there's such a difference between someone who struggles with mental illness oh, with yes. severe yeah. anxiety disorder and panic mm-hmm. attack, uh, panic attacks versus someone who's just feeling nervous or anxious about a situation. So yeah. Yeah. More and more of these conversations. (laughs) Yeah. It's a crazy thing. I remember saying the same thing to my husband. I was like, I've been having anxiety today. And he's like, Oh, are you you doing okay? And I was like, No, it's I'm like so happy because it's normal anxiety. (laughs) It's normal. And it felt so weird to say it. But Yeah. It's so true. So true. And a good sign of healing and recovery. Absolutely. Yes. So, oh, yes. Oh, praise God. (laughs) Craziest thing, but so true. (laughs) Praise God for anxiety. (laughs) Oh, I know. And then the ability to just go to him and just say, all right, Lord, (laughs) this feels so simple to just ask you to come into this moment and calm my heart. It almost brings tears to my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so... For us as survivors of severe mental illness, and I think you and I would agree, I think you would agree that we can call ourselves as survivors because mm-hmm. um, this level of mental illness um, that we've walked through specifically um, takes the lives of people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they just can't deal with the pain um, anymore. And it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of factors that play into the existence of mental illness. Um, but there is a lot of ignorance, um, to, and just as we're talking about the fact that a brain can malfunction. Um, so we're, we have kind of covered a bit about, you know, what some of the myths are that need to be exposed about mental illness. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about shame and Mm. why it's so difficult for people to, 
open up about this. Can you talk a little bit maybe about your own experience with that? I know you actually were really good at kind of opening up quickly, but it's not easy for a lot of people. What was that like for you? Um, well, for me in the beginning, I mean, it happened so quickly. I, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> like I thought I, yeah. I, I thought I was going crazy because this just wasn't who I was. It's not something that I enjoyed feeling depressed or enjoyed feeling this way and getting attention. I mean, this was out of the blue for me. It was totally out of context and people didn't know how to respond to me because they weren't used to me being weak. <laughs> And, and, and so it was interesting how a lot of my relationships shifted because all of a sudden I was the one in emotional need and, and I had realized how much I had established myself with my community and with not a lot of support. Like, I, I of course, I had my husband and my pastors and, and a few people, but there was actually a ton of people I didn't realize who drained from me all the time because when the tables were turned... They ran for the hills. They didn't know how to how to deal with it, and and so for me, it you know a lot of that um, shame was just like, oh my goodness, I've been doing all the right things. I've been doing. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I listen to worship. I love the Lord. I'm. I do my best to to be good, and I, I go to church and I serve and I you know have a loving husband. Mm. Like what what is wrong with me? What to the core of me is so flawed? and broken right. and not good enough that that I'm suffering like that that was a big mm. part of it for me um I recently because I'm I'm launching this week um my course uh, a group course for churches um for people who are going through anxiety so you can do like a group study through my course the fearless traveler and so I did a survey um to a hundred people uh, where I got a hundred responses, which was amazing. My goal was 25. So I was like, wow, people really want to talk about it. And it, yeah. it was about, um, you know, what keeps you from sharing with people. Mm. And, and one of the big things that came up, because I said a lot of people who are struggling with this, they're, they're not the poetic brooders. <laughs> these are like, these are leaders. These are like, like I heard so many stories, like I'm a Sunday school leader and I run this ministry and I do this and I've been the support for people like, you know, but I've gone through a season of traumatic events and all of a sudden I'm, I've been sick with anxiety. And, and one of them was, I'm afraid that if I go forward and tell the leadership or the pastors of my church or get support that I'm going to be disqualified from what God's called me to do. And that's a big one that I've seen coming up. And I was like, oh wow like it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about like yes, all of a yes. sudden they're feeling that they're disqualified in their calling they're disqualified in being a leader they're disqualified like i'm inadequate who, to do this i'm an ad- i'm disqualified from it because right. this is a blazing sign of weak, spiritual weakness like yes. th- this is what okay. what they're feeling so that's definitely a big one um and and i think another one too is just <sighs> you hear so it's like Christians were just born with this script. I don't know. It's just like, well, you just need to pray or you just need to cast your cares or you just need to stop thinking about it. And yeah. and once you've heard that once or twice, you stop sharing because yeah, that's absolutely. a direct reflection. Basically what that saying is, and the person's not intending to say that to you. They just don't have the understanding into what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm. But what it's speaking to people that are going through it is you are weak you're spiritually weak. And, and mm-hmm. I think as far as within Christianity, that is the biggest shame issue is I, I'm disqualified now and um, I'm spiritually weak. My faith isn't strong enough and it could not be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
we how do we break this shame down? What are you know for the listener right now who is battling intense shame? And I will just I'll just say and and acknowledge this for for those of you who are listening that I have battled intense shame, and I still have days right now as I'm in recovery where I really feel it heavy but i've been equipped now using god's word um and the knowledge the cognitive knowledge that i have to to come against it very quickly and to say no and i can shut it down quickly but when you're in the middle of it more it is really really when you're in the thick of it it's hard Mm -hmm. to just shove off that shame that feeling of shame of unworthiness of Mm -hmm. you know i am bad which is essentially what shame says, right, mm-hmm. um, to us. Um, you know, how, how can a person who's right in the middle, where do, you, where do we start to break the shame down? Well, the first evidence of shame that we have in the Bible, right, is Adam and Eve. And the first thing they did was they stayed silent and they hid. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's the definite knee-jerk reaction that we have when we're going through this is, is to hide and to stay silent. And and I'll just share this yeah. quick story with you. I remember once going to a women's retreat and it was a resting retreat, go figure, which was amazing. <laughs> so it was like three days of no agenda. Can you imagine? No agenda, no kids. You didn't have to get up at seven for Bible study. You didn't have to sit through bunch of people talking which is great but it was just like (laughs) rest and that was it whatever that looked like for you whatever that meant a walk or sleeping or reading your bible whatever like it was just to to get away and we're sitting around one night around the fire and and people were just sharing and um and in this moment of sort of vulnerability this woman who was a um, leader of a big church and she was a sunday school leader so she ran the sunday school which is a huge responsibility if anyone's involved Mm -hmm. in that they know and for the first time she hesitantly shared that she had been struggling now when you are a survivor you understand the code words of someone who's battling severe mental illness they won't just say oh I've been going through this but you you get it right you know yeah and sure enough without any hesitation and no judgment on on the people that were there because it was all with love and intention but they just swarmed her and it was like you just need to pray more and here's the scripture and here's some encouragement and here's this Uh, thing and they were just like wanted to fix it fix it fix it fix it and uh, i i saw her retreat like it's okay all right yeah it's good thank you and i remember sitting back just watching and then i waited for everyone to leave and then i went up to her and i said here's my story and i shared with her my story and I'm like, here's some resources, like, you're going to be okay. But like, I, I understand what you're going through. And she just, she just broke down. And, and, and I know the Lord had a hand in it, because from that moment, her healing just like exploded, because she wasn't silenced wow. anymore. And, and all of a sudden, she, she went, she took a leave of absence. She spoke to her pastor. She did all the things that she needed to do to incorporate rest and healing and recovery and counseling. And she did all the things. And, and, and now, I mean, she's she's doing amazing, and and I think when people rush to to fix it, it it forces people to be silent and and shrink yes. back. But when you when you go gently and you say, "Me too," yes, I understand what you're going through. You know, how can mm-hmm. I help? Right, and give them some practical yeah. resources, um, and and empower them to make some changes in their lives. And once that silence is broken, that's when healing can come in. So I, I really Absolutely. do feel that um, when when it's hidden and it's silenced. And so 
I get it. For those of you who are listening, you know, you may not have that safe environment. I just posted a thing on Facebook, my Facebook page the other day about how healing from traumatic events and going through mental illness, you can actually have PTSD from what you experienced in mental illness because it was so scary. You can be traumatized by it. And and, uh, that's definitely something I experienced in my recovery. Um, But you Mm -hmm. need to have a safe place. And maybe your church isn't safe. And maybe your close family isn't safe, but there's a counselor out there who's safe, or there's, there's Mm -hmm. someone online like myself who's safe, or there's, you know, a friend who's safe. And so start there and, and, and just take inventory of who's, where's the safe place for me to share this and, and break Mm -hmm. the silence. Cause that really is the beginning. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think what you said was so essential that you went to her and you just simply said I understand and shared your story um Mm -hmm. and instead of trying to fix it um but that ability to relate is is so huge and I I remember in my struggle last year I remember um being afraid for months to even go online because I had a severe fear of developing psychosis, which is extremely, mm, yeah. is which is actually not possible, but that's how severe the anxiety was. Yeah, and I, so I what, mm-hmm. and I think that's really common. I think that's what we're afraid of is that we're going to lose control over our own minds yes. because everything yeah. feels so out of control. And so Absolutely. you have to be able, so I was afraid to go online for months. I didn't go and research because I was scared of what I might find and what Mm -hmm. I might read and it might be the tipping point. I was just in such a unreal place, right? Which was probably smart for you at the time because you do have to guard what you see and hear when you're going through that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of things can trigger early on and Mm -hmm. um, I probably wasn't as protective as I could have been Mm -hmm. um, then. But, um, you know, you get so desperate to find out. But I remember that when I did finally feel free to do that you know even just landing on your blog um and feeling that ability to relate and and not just and not just being able to relate but also to hear the hope that you know that hope oh my goodness yeah that's what we need we just need hope that's what keeps a person going day after day after day Mm -hmm. and um so, you know, moving on to the topic of hope, how can we offer this to others and share um, whether we've walked through it or not? And back to your, you know, the campfire story with this gal, you know, yeah. for the other women who are there who had not walked through mental illness mm-hmm. like this, you know, how can, what could they have done Instead of giving all all of this information yeah. um, that really displayed their lack of knowledge, yeah. even when they couldn't, though, say, I relate, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, how can we help others to understand this a little better? Um, I, I think it's such an important question. And one of my chapters in my book, Fearless in 21 Days, is uh, for your loved ones, for them to read oh, uh, and so how good. they can help, you know, yeah. you going through that season. And, and I think especially from a Christian perspective um, is, is to really be that ear and the heart for that person and saying, you know what, I, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to actually, I know right now what you're, you know, that what you're going through, you're going to have a hard time hearing from the Lord and I'm going to commit to hearing um, 
from God for you. And that's just through encouragement and, and hearing the word of God for that person. As long as it's not something that's like, here, do this, do that, fear not, mm-hmm. like all those fear not things, like trying to fix it. But encouragement mm-hmm. that there's hope and that he loves you and that he's here for you. Or I was praying for you the other day and I just really felt, you know, that I needed to tell you that God is with you and he hears your heart and he knows. I think that is so incredibly important to know that somebody is lifting up your arms during that season when you have a hard time even getting through the, the mental fog of anxiety and depression and hearing from the Lord yeah. is really important. And then what can I do to help mm-hmm. you practically? How can I help? Mm-hmm. Because this is affecting you, your family. It's affecting your ability to work. It's affecting your ability, your, your health. It's affecting your family. Like, what can I do to help you in this season? Do you need me mm-hmm. to babysit? Do you need some meals? Do you need help driving your kids? Like, how can I how can I help? And the best way to help somebody who's going through something that you don't understand is to ask them how they, how you can help. Don't say, can you just call me if you need anything? Because 99.9% of the time we don't. And, but oh, you can say, yes. how can I help? What can I yeah. do to help you practically? Yes. I think it's oh, important. And it's so true yes. for loss. And I've discussed, I've discussed this with other guests about who have walked through loss as well, where, you know, yeah. The last thing that you should ask is, um, let me know if you need any, or say, yeah. let me know if you need oh, anything. Because yeah. it's basically saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind or of only if... half here for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what can I do yeah. right now? Tell me what, what you, what do you need practically, spiritually? Like what, what do you need? Yeah. Ask. Yes. Yeah. And even sometimes it depends on the relationship, just actually going without permission. Yes, that's true too. Folding laundry, cleaning house, you know, taking the weight off. And then those meals that are the most common form of service often when we walk through different hard things, those meals are so essential for a mom walking through this. Uh, because sometimes by the time she reaches dinner time, I mean, again, when you're raising a family, and especially when you have young babies, by the time you reach dinner, you're often depleted of energy. When you've yeah. been battling a mental illness all day, yeah. Yeah. you're even more depleted. And yeah. it feels almost impossible sometimes to get up and cook a meal for your family. And for a mother who, like me, who loves to cook or maybe doesn't love to cook but loves to um take care of her family well like she takes great um pride in doing that it's it just adds another uh coal to the what's the phrase another yeah something to the fire fire. whatever it just makes things feel (laughs) even worse yes because you feel like you're failing your family. Mm-hmm. So yeah. meals are huge. So there's just so many things that can be done, but you're right. It has yeah. to be specific and mm-hmm. I'm willing to come alongside you. Do you want to know one of the things that uh, meant the most to me last year, early on when I was in the worst of the worst of the fearful mm-hmm. anxiety ridden um, um, moments, was when I finally called, um, uh, it was only like the second friend that I'd reached out to because mm-hmm. I was so scared of what others would think. And I called her because I knew I could depend on her spiritually, um, yeah. biblically to, to be there for me, like in uh, prayerfully and stuff. And, uh, I, I very, very bravely shared some of the stuff that was going on in my head that I was just, that was causing so much fear. And she said to me, Linnell, we're going to, we're going to get through this. Mm. 
She didn't say, you're going to make it through this. She yeah. said, we're going to yeah. make it through this. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember just every time I, I think about it, it really makes me so emotional because those words said, I'm not ashamed of you. Yeah. I don't look down on you. Yeah. I, really I'm i here good. with yeah. you. Yeah. And um, that's, that's wow. so huge. And you know what? Yeah. It just made me think of a thought. Um, when you're going through anxiety and depression, your brain does not stop. And, no. and every word you come across, it's, it's almost like this heightened sense of like your brain is, I mean, it's almost like it became more intelligent. Like it, it, it's so acute and on fire and, and it pays attention to everything because you're walking through the season where it's going, where's danger, where's danger, where's danger, right? Yes. Like you're just yeah. on high alert. So like sounds, yeah. smells, touch, everything is heightened. So words mm-hmm. have incredible power. You can hear one word. I remember once going through it and, and I had shared with, with a person and, and, um, and their response and she's a good friend and has apologized since, but, but her response in that moment was like, Oh yeah, I remember having a friend who went through that. And then she, you know, worst case scenario period. And I was like, Oh boy, that was it. Like that sent me for about four more months of mental torture was from that one conversation. Um, And then there were times where someone would say something to me like your friend did that became the, the life raft that I hung on to for dear life. And so words have incredible power. So if you are not someone who struggles with this, but people, you know, you've had people come be very careful with the words that you use because people who are going through anxiety and depression are hanging on every word, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's just something I felt like I needed to share. No, Sarah, I think that's incredible advice. That Mm. is so good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what the Bible says about mental illness, because this is another thing that is really difficult for Christians when they're going through this. Um, we go to the God's word because we know that that's where we need to look for wisdom in dealing with the hard things in life. Um, but a lot of Christians, especially those that may not be well um, rehearsed in scripture or maybe don't have not spent time, you know, uh, studying the word of God will kind of, they'll, they'll only know the verses like cast your cares on mm-hmm. him because he cares for you. Um, and, um, you know, capture your thoughts and, um, all these, these, these more commonly known verses. And it can be really discouraging when you're battling mental illness because it doesn't, it almost can feel like a dead end because you feel you go, I've already tried this and it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not helping like what's going on. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, what are your thoughts on the, the subject of what the Bible has to say about mental illness and why, you know, so many Christians do feel really discouraged, um, about how little is available there. Well, I or is there, that, is there a little, or is uh, there yeah, very I'm little? Have the yes. opposite. Well, I believe that the word of God, that the Bible is for people who are struggling with mental illness. Like, yes. it, it, I mean, it's about mental health. It, it really is because it's, and, and if you, I mean, this was something that God had to lead me because it's really hard to read your Bible when you're going through it because you have yes. a filter of anxiety. You have a mm-hmm. filter of depression. So I said, you hang on every word. So if it was like, and then he, you know 
smite the whole nation. You're like, ah, right. <laughs> and so you yeah. have to be careful what you read during that season because, Absolutely. and you have to understand it's not God, it's your interpretation because there's this filter mm-hmm. over your, over your mm-hmm. understanding at this time. So really important to, to guard what you read in the Bible. So I, I do, yes. I do believe in that, but so much, I mean, I remember that, that moment I share in my book where I, I had this horrible thought and I ran to my room and I locked the door and I literally clung to my Bible. And I just said, God, this the stuff that you say in here it either is true or I'm in big trouble. I am not going to overcome this. And it was through the word of God and without it sounding pat and like religious, it literally was, but it was God bringing understanding to me about it. Not just if I say the scripture over and over and over again, I'm going to be fixed. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and so I I think that the word of God is for for mental health. I, I think that there's so much in it about human frailty and, and taking our thoughts captive and, and how we put on the mind of Christ and, and how God's perfect love casts out fear. I mean, the whole thing is, is late, like laden with it because God cares for our whole being, our body, our minds, mm-hmm. and our spirits. And, and there's so many scriptures to that effect. Um, I have a chapter in my book about scriptures that help us overcome anxiety and depression where I break it down. And, um, but one of the, the core things for me, and I think, well, just to back up a little bit, cause we were talking a lot about the church. Um, I had written down this note before our podcast that just, I, I really felt the Holy spirit lay on my heart. You know, when we open the doors to the lost and the broken, we're right. We are opening the doors to mental illness. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you're dealing with the lost and, and the broken and people traumatized who need the church, who need Christ, you are dealing with mental illness, period. I mean, you have yeah. people who, who have ran away from, from God because of trauma and they have never grown up with the tools and the knowledge and understanding on how to cast their cares or how to rely on, on something greater than themselves. And yeah. so it's really, really important that we begin as the church and as Christians to really speak openly about this and, and make it part of the conversation instead of a side note, right? Like mm-hmm. mental health is spiritual health. Spiritual health yes. is good mental health. And so one of the scriptures that, that affected me the most was when people would say to me, um, I just really feel the scripture for you. Um, perfect love casts out fear. And I'm like, oh, I just got so irritated all the time because I was like, okay, you love me. Like, what's the point? Like, I, I it just did not resonate with me. And, and, um, and so like the Lord always leads me to sharing this because this is the biggest part of my testimony and my recovery with all the tools and the practical things and the therapy and the counseling and the exercising and the rest and all the practical stuff. This was the moment where I was able to fall on this in any moment of mental assault. And that was understanding the love of God, understanding how he really, really loved me. And so if you're going to read the Bible for anything, don't just read it looking for ways to stop feeling anxious Look for ways for God to reveal the love that he has for you because nothing will set you free to the core, to Mm -hmm. to your your deepest foundation, right? Where our anxiety comes from and instability comes from. Then understanding the the love of God, it is so, uh, and and only the Holy Spirit can reveal that. It has to be something that you seek and you go after. Yes, yes. And so one of the things that, that if you're listening, you can do right away you want to know how to read the Bible when you're going through anxiety and depression was I I have my students in my course, the fearless traveler, they um, go through some of the Psalms and they write out the statement. God is 
God is and, and just pull out anytime God reveals anything about his nature, they just write it down as God is. And it's such an incredible exercise because out of it, you know, we hear, Oh, doom and disaster and judgment and all this stuff. But when you read through the Psalms from Dave, most of it written by David, who seriously struggled with mental illness, if anyone, you know, like my bones are wasting away in my grief and despair, um, is, is God is my protector. God is, he loves me. God is, you know, whatever. I mean, it just, it just begins to paint such a beautiful picture of who God is and how and why we can trust him with everything. So incredible exercise. Simple. Mental illness makes us self-focused yes because we are so caught up in what's going on inwardly and in Mm -hmm. our minds and this is one of the most important things that God has revealed to me through this is that healing for me actually really became um, apparent when I started learning to address the fact that I didn't have a right perspective of God. So kind of similar to mm. your situation, but it was, mm, it was, good. it was also feeling unlovable. I had that as well that I started to recognize, but it was also yeah. that I didn't really know God yeah. truly for who he is. Mm. I had this idea and it was more like I was trying to do everything right. And yeah. I was trying to be that right, the good, the, the right, perfect Christian But I didn't really, I wasn't spending time in God's word getting to know him because I was so afraid of him in a wrong way. And so I love this course and what you're talking about in this exercise because that's what God has been leading me through is writing down and rehearsing the truth of who he is. Yeah. And so that whenever I become self-focused in my anxiety moments, I would say, God, you are, you are and eyes up and on Jesus, right? And man, what yeah, a difference that so makes. Because the minute you you turn huge. outward, it it's, mm-hmm. it's pivotal. It's huge. Yeah. And this yeah. is the battle. What you're doing right yeah. now is exactly the scripture, the battle of the mind, and he renews the way that we think. Yes. And so I, I remember that where you get so used to, like you have tapes, you've heard this before, you've had tapes running in your head, right? Negative, mm-hmm. anxious tapes over and over and mm-hmm. over again. It's so familiar to you that you don't like... We don't even realize how many years we've been listening to them until they just started turning up so loud. We, we were desperate to turn it off, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have these tapes that play over and over again, and we believe it because it's a lie that we believe. It's just this thing that we have over and over again. But as soon as you expose a lie and you understand the truth, these thoughts that come are so ridiculous. I remember me going, nope. Well, that's dumb. Well, that's not true. As soon as I began yeah. have understanding of who God was and his love for me, it was like, nope, that doesn't line up. And and before these thoughts would just instantly grab me, choke hold me, bring me down to the ground and put me in the fetal position for hours. And yes. all of a sudden I was going, yes. whoa, that's not right. And I remember even catching myself sometimes saying out loud, nope. <laughs> nope. Yes, yes. <laughs> because I'd be I having these that. thoughts yeah. and then I would go, nope. And I mean, that is just part of it. And eventually they begin to silence because they realize they have no power anymore. And from a medical perspective, they, we, we call that, we, they call that, you know, you're creating pathways in your brain and we have these default pathways that have been created because of toxic thinking, whether it's by choice. But isn't that so cool how that's connected to the word of God? It is. It's amazing. It's so cool. 
So we're yeah. able to actually through, again, it's through discipline and hard work, but we're able yeah. to actually create new healthy pathways and say bye-bye right. to those old ones. And it doesn't mean that they don't have the ability to pop back up every once in a while, but when you gain the tools yeah. through God's word yeah. and studying yeah. who he is and what he can do, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we're able to apply that and not be crippled by those things anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it's huge. Oh, this is so good, Mm -hmm. man. I think we could probably talk for another hour. Um, (laughs) But um, you already kind of gave a little bit of a tip there for a mother who's struggling by pointing her towards the Psalms and writing out who God is uh, so that the focus goes to his greatness and his ability to overcome and to give us the power to also overcome um, these conditions. But can you share, um, do you have any other, um, any any other prevention um, brain health tips for women, specifically mothers, um, to help them get on the right track? Yeah. um, You have to take care of yourself first. You have to take care of yourself first. It's a reason why you got to where you are now. And most of the time it's lack of boundaries and self-care. It really comes, comes down to that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's so hard and I hear so many, but I can't, but you don't understand, but I'm so, oh, I understand. <laughs> I have yeah. five kids. I understand. And, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the culture in my home had to change. I've always had a very helpful husband who's always been there for me, but, but I really had to wasn't so much with him but other people in my life expected me to be mother of the year and so it was like oh why is she going away for a weekend to rest like why shouldn't you be at home with your children well no because I need this to stay healthy right and so self-care putting yourself first and your needs first is absolutely vital um and two things greater than any um medication and I'm not against medication so it's not a like instead of but I'm saying proven to be just as effective um is community and exercise and so gathering Mm -hmm. yourself around people that you trust and you feel safe with um and and getting out there every day even if it's just a little stroll around the block is incredible for for your mental health and and your strength as as a mom and so both of those things having community and exercise is about you setting boundaries to take care of yourself so that really does Mm -hmm. come first and rest yeah, yeah, that is also good. And I think um, that for some women, when you're, again, when you're kind of in the middle of this and you feel the weight of your responsibilities at home, mm-hmm. it feels impossible to do those things. Um, but if you can treat yourself like you are battling a, you know, a different kind of illness or, or yeah. that, you know, recognize that it is an illness. Um, mm-hmm. And I know for me, I was one of those. I did not get that exercise because mm-hmm. I was stuck in the house doing so many other things that I think thought I needed to get done right and yeah. um, it would have been good to get out so you really have to just believe that that's going to be helpful and get out and do that and then like you said get together with other people even if it's hard just do it because yeah. yeah you know I think Absolutely. that's how the enemy really really takes us down yeah. quickly I- is isolation isolation is- yeah yeah we could do a whole episode on that, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. So do you, what, just, you know, just to wrap up our time together, what hope and encouragement can you offer a mother who's battling a mental illness currently or a perinatal mood disorder? Mm, I, it's 
a great question. I think I would just remind you that with all of your responsibility that you have and the, the children that God's entrusted you with, and the husband and the home and everything, you are most precious to God and, and he mm-hmm. cares about every part of you. And so I, I think that um, just want to remind you that taking care of yourself and, and um, finding ways to help recover from anxiety and depression is the most sacrificial and loving thing that you can do as a mother and a wife mm-hmm. for your family is to take care of your health first. So I think that's, yes. that's what I would say. And, and, and to also know that, you know, there is hope out there and it, and it takes work and, but you will not regret it because you will come out no. of this stronger than you ever have before. Yeah, you will. You will. Mm-hmm. Thanks Sarah so much. I've got a fun little question for you, even though this has been, this is such a heavy topic. Um, It's nice to get to know guests a little bit more and I like ending things on a lighthearted note. So if you had four hours all to yourself and someone had already cleaned your whole house, I know, I, that's why this question is so fun. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, How would you, how would you spend that time? Um, I definitely carb load. So there would be like a lot of pasta that I have my specialty. (laughs) I'm at home alone pasta that I make. And um, I would probably sit on the couch and eat all the things and watch a lot of old black and white cheesy musicals. I think that's would be ideal. Oh, that sounds really fun. What's your specialty pasta when you're home at home? Okay, so it's just (laughs) al dente spaghetti, nothing fancy. Um, Mm -hmm. some olive oil, fresh tomatoes, uh, like oregano sprinkled and some feta cheese, a little bit of feta. Oh, salt and pepper. Sounds good. Oh, it's so good. Do you ever add balsamic to that? Sometimes. Yeah, I do. If it's like, it sounds Mediterranean. Yeah. I'll do that. If it's like a couscous, like I'll make a couscous version and then with balsamic. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, that, okay, that's now I'm four hungry. hours of eating pasta. I know, <laughs> time to exercise. <laughs> yeah, fit in a little run at the very end of that, right? Uh, right, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Thanks, Sarah, so much for coming on today. Um, yeah, I'm really, really grateful that you were willing to join me last minute because um, I just know, I just really believe in my heart that this is a topic that just has to be talked about more, especially um, in the context of the gospel and um, for Christian women who are walking through this. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sarah and I are both very committed to making the conversation about mental illness an easier one to have. As Christians, it's our responsibility to direct others towards our loving and our trustworthy God who offers strength and wisdom through His Word, the Bible. Pointing isn't all we're called to do, though. It's so important that we take the steps to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to serve others as they walk the painful road of mental illness. Often mental illness can be prevented, and so let's gently encourage each other day after day towards healthy living in every area of life. It's easy to run when we don't know what to say or do, right? It's easy to give a fix-it answer or a Bible verse that we think might help, but when the struggle is a genuine illness, there is much more support that is needed. 
I love the story of the woman who shared on the retreat and how Sarah observed how the loving words and encouragement that was offered actually caused her to retract. Yes, Sarah was able to reach out because she understood, but if you're listening to this, having never walked through real mental illness, you have more tools now and understanding to reach others in a profound way if and when they open up to you. I think that that's exciting. I really do. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode and would love more tools and encouragement, go and visit Sarah's website for ways to connect with her and to access the resources she has available. She, you can also visit me over at Knowing Motherhood Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook at Knowing Motherhood. God's faithfulness is so apparent in the way that he brought Sarah through a truly overwhelming battle. This can be your story too, friend. I believe that, no matter what you are currently facing. I pray that you've received the hope and the encouragement that you need to take the next step towards healing in your own journey. As always, remember that no matter where you're at, God's love is real and always available to you. John 3.16 is probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, and it's also one of the most important. And in a way, it's the gospel, it's the gospel simplified for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life friends i just want to remind you again to keep your eyes up and on jesus today and i'll see you here next week